welcome to the Field Log Podcast, weekly reflections for the Warrior King to help you master yourself, fulfill your purpose, and conquer the day. I'm your host, Marcian Sicario. Field Log Day 100 When you see a beautiful woman Before we dive into today's introductory anecdote, you know I like to start out Field Logs with a little story. I want to take a quick moment to thank everyone who's listening to this right now. Right, we're on Field Log 100, episode 100. They range about 20 minutes apiece. So we're talking 2,000 minutes. I see the numbers. I see the listener numbers. I see that there are a few men who return every day. There's minimum numbers that we get every day. And if you're doing this, I want to congratulate you on trying to be a man for others, trying to be the man God is calling you to be. And I want to thank you for believing that what it is that I'm spouting into this microphone six days a week is useful on that path, right? It brings me great joy to be able to be a part of that process for you. And I want to encourage you to keep going, right? We have a long road ahead of us to be the men that we're supposed to be. And with that being said, I remember a conversation that I had with my godfather. I think I've told this story before, but it's been a while. I'll tell again, of course. My godfather is a very old priest. He's in his 70s. He's a very wise man. He has gravity, right? Just exudes holiness. I love him to death. I'm very blessed to have him as my, my godfather. And he told me this little story once. He said, you know, men, we have this issue with lustful gazes and the Lord, the Lord tells us about just how serious that is, right? He says that if you look on a woman in lust, you've already committed adultery with her in your heart. And then he gave me a little tip. He said, when you see a beautiful woman, just say or think, of course, don't say this out loud maybe, Think, thank you, God, for making such beauty for man to gaze upon. And that one little phrase, that one prayer, completely recontextualized the ideas that I have about lust, right? And that's really what today's philog is ultimately about, is lust. The men listening to this podcast are young men. Right, You're probably anywhere between the ages of 18 and 39, I would imagine. The passions are strong in us, right? We're young, we're virile. Sexual desire is strong in most men, especially men who are more traditional tend to have higher testosterone, right? There's a correlation there. You can, there's research on this, is that men who are more traditional and more conservative, perhaps, is another way you could say this, have higher testosterone. And of course, testosterone correlates with sexual desire. So when we see a beautiful woman, when you see a beautiful woman, chances are that there is a part of you that wants to sleep with her. Now, I'm not going to go so far as to say that wanting to sleep with a beautiful woman is bad. But experiencing that lust towards her, which dehumanizes her, is bad. Right? It's sinful. It's, It's adultery is what it is is in your heart, which is what really matters. You've already committed adultery, right? Whenever I give my confession, 
pretty much every time, unless I forget. The the first thing I say out the gate is, well, Father, I've I've looked at women in lust, right? We're we're back at it again. So this is something that you work on, and I imagine you'll be working on for the rest of your life. But this idea of seeing a beautiful woman, and rather than thinking of her as an object for your sexual gratification, thinking of her as a beautiful creature imbued with the image of God, with visual beauty, yes, absolutely, visual beauty, nothing wrong with that. Thinking of her that way and thanking God for making someone so beautiful, it, it, it changes the narrative a little bit. And that's, that's the idea that I want to focus on today, right? I'm not going to tell you to castrate yourself. Not literally, that God forbid, but also not figuratively. I don't think, and we're in some ways getting into spiritual territory here. So just to cover my basis, usual disclaimer, I'm not a priest. I'm not a theologian. Anything that I say today could very well be a mistake. Please check with your spiritual father if it seems controversial or if it seems wrong. But I'm not going to recommend that you castrate yourself metaphorically or definitely not literally. But to think of your sexual desires as something that's wrong, right? The fact that you, as a man, want to be with a woman physically, unless you're a monk, of course, is not inherently bad, right? I have a friend, a very close friend who's married, and he's told me before, straight up, he said, you know, the thing that I work on is just not wanting anyone but my wife sexually, is what he says. And I thought that that was very insightful, right? He's a very smart guy. He's very in touch spiritually. And I took those words to heart. I I thought they were very wise. Now, of course, for those of us who aren't married, feeling this sort of carnal sexual desire towards any woman, that's what lust is, right? That's Lust is really, I want to, to possess you sexually. And that's something that we can't allow. So rather, we have to sort of, in some ways, it seems to me, transform those feelings into an appreciation of her beauty and sort of consciously realize that, you know, if I were married to someone this beautiful, I'd be very happy about that. And I'm sure I would enjoy having sex with my wife in that context. But since this person isn't my wife, I'm going to sort of look away from that. I understand that I am a man and that, you know, sex is something that that I want. (laughs) But anyway, we're getting into some topics that I usually try to stay away from here. But anyway, but I'm not going to think about or imagine doing it with that woman who is not my wife. Right? This is the sort of great paradox of being a Christian man, is that we completely understand that we have all of these instincts, but that they have been, because of the fallen state of the world, perverted. Right? And this is maybe a more applicable use of the word perversion than what I usually use it for. Right? I use that term very broadly, to mean distorted. Is that there's certain things that we want, and, you know, today's topic being sexually, but also in other ways, right? We want conquest, we want success, we want strength, we want wealth and earthly blessings. But you can't want them for your own gratification. That's, that's sort of the difference, right? Is it about pleasing your passions and your flesh? and your sinful desires, or is it about living in harmony and enjoyment of the things God gave you, right? Last week, last Sunday, my priest gave a homily where he was talking about, he started out with a, with a little anecdote on, on gluttony. He said, God gave us food for nourishment, and he made it enjoyable to us. 
so that we could enjoy it. But then people very quickly started twisting that into, ooh, I want to eat something right now, so I'm going to choose the most flavorful thing I can, right? Rather than eating maybe, you know, eggs and steak and, and, and grass-fed butter and, and some fruit that's going to be delicious, I'll enjoy and be high in nutrients too, I'm going to go for the most tasteful food I can think of, right? I'm going to go for a Big Mac or I'm going to go to Wendy's or I'm going to go to Taco Bell and get something that's loaded with, with fats and sugars and, and sh- uh, uh, salt and really going to light up my brain. And I'm going to eat as much of it as I can to really milk every drop of pleasure from that. As men, it's our job to control these things and use them the way God intended. That's the great paradox that I was mentioning earlier. Earlier of the life of a Christian man, especially a man living the warrior king life. The great paradox of our existence is that we have all of these desires, all of these drives, and we have to use them responsibly. So in case it's not obvious yet, my official recommendation, coming straight from my godfather, is that the way to appreciate the visual beauty of a woman is just that. Is appreciate the visual beauty. Look at her and be amazed. Yeah, she's beautiful. She has long, beautiful hair. She has beautiful eyes. She has a, a beautiful, what is it? A beautiful form. That's directly from the scriptures. Is uh, the story of Jacob. And I think her name was, what is it, Rachel? Right? When he went into the, into the village, he saw Rachel. And I think the direct quote is something like, and he noticed that she had a beautiful form. And because she had a beautiful form, he wanted to marry her. He wanted to, her to be his wife. Now, Jacob, who eventually became Israel, I think, is a great father of Israel, which is us, the church, the Orthodox Church. So there's nothing wrong, scripturally, right? There's nothing wrong with wanting a beautiful wife. There's a lot of people you'll hear talk about this who think that it's the pious thing to say or the pious thing to do to not care about appearance. I don't think that's true. And my godfather said that we can appreciate visual beauty. So if you want a wife who's visually beautiful, that's fine. That's, that's, that's okay. What's not okay is to see a woman with visual beauty and then say, oh, I want her right now and I'm going to fantasize about her for sexual gratification. That's what I want. That's not okay. This is the perversion. It's not evil to enjoy a delicious meal. It's not evil to enjoy a glass or two of wine, right? God made wine to gladden the hearts of men. Old Testament, it's right there. Book of Psalms, I think. It is wrong to drink to excess. It is wrong to eat to excess, right? It's the context that defines the morality of an action. So when you see a beautiful woman... Appreciate her beauty. Enjoy her beauty. And you know, and if you have the right kind of relationship with her, or if you have, you know, charisma and you know that it's going to be well received, you can even tell her, you can say, she wanted to to let you know that you're a very beautiful woman. Right? That's fine. To admire someone's beauty is fine. To lust after someone's beauty, to want to possess it, I think that's the difference. It's to make it yours, to make it serve your your carnal desires. I think that's the problem. But you can also expand this a little bit, right? Sort of moving away a little bit here from the idea of the beautiful woman 
into just this idea of, of, of lusting after things. It doesn't just have to be sexually. It can be money. It can be admiration, right? If you want leadership just because you want to be admired. It can be food, like I said. Any of these things that a man might desire. If you're desiring them because you think it'll make you feel good in a way that's beyond the scope of where it should be, that's the devil, right? We've talked about this before, that the devil will use everything against you, right? There, what was the, the name of the episode? It was The Path is Narrow. If you haven't listened to that already, please go listen to that. I think there's a lot of good insights in there, if I do say so myself. But he'll use your, way, uh, your, your weaknesses and your strengths against you. Right? He'll use things against you that are bad, right? your hatred of other people. But he'll also use things that are good, your desire to enjoy food or drink or sex in the context of marriage. And he'll distort those things, he'll pervert those things. And you can't let him. Right? As men, our desires, our passions can be very strong. And we have to kill the passions and use our desires to to lead us towards fulfilling our purpose in the way God wants us to. Right? If you want leadership, for example, don't let that turn into, I want to tell people what to do and be in charge all the time. Right? And this is something that I struggle with sometimes. Is don't let it turn into uh, being a control freak. If you want to be physically strong, don't let it be about, look how great I am, look how strong I am, but rather... How great is it that I can use this desire for strength for the benefit of other people? Let it be about that. Let it be about enjoying things in a healthy dose. And it's going to take wisdom to understand what a healthy dose is. But that wisdom comes with time. Right, for me, an example that I've used before is is TV, right? Now, at this point, everybody knows that my TV is in the closet, right? It's sitting in the closet right now. It's not set up. So whenever I do pull out the TV, I usually do it when I have company or when somebody says, you should watch such and such a show and then we can talk about it. I think it's really good. I think you'll enjoy it. Well, whenever I have like a movie night or something, I'll pull out the TV. We can turn it on. I enjoy it. I enjoy it in moderation. That's the difference. As the TV comes out once every few weeks, I've been able to get so much time back by putting that thing in the closet. And now I've heard some people say, and I think even Father Spirit has said, that TV altogether is, is not a good idea. And I can definitely see the argument, but assuming that perhaps maybe this isn't the case, you know, in moderation, if you're watching the right stuff, for example, let's say my favorite movie is Man of God, which if you haven't seen it, you absolutely should. Fantastic movie. You can, you can look that up. It's about St. Paisios. No, no, sorry. Uh, it's about St. Nectarios. Greek names, right? It's about St. Nectarios of Aegina, who is a very recent saint, very holy saint, very pious, very, uh, if you watch the movie depiction at least, deep, deep humility. It's my favorite movie by far, not just because it's the, by definitely the best Orthodox movie that's ever been made. The quality is so good, right? It, it really feels like a completely, you know, like a blockbuster level film. And I imagine that their budget wasn't that great, but it really is great actors, great script, everything's amazing. But the story is so beautiful and it was such an edifying experience that I really think that, you know, 
if you watch the right stuff and if you do it in moderation, that even TV can be good, right? I don't think that the medium is inherently bad. Or music, for example, right? A lot of people will rightfully point out that popular music is is degenerate. It absolutely is degenerate, right? All of the subject matter nowadays is purely sexual, purely drugs and, and, and alcohol and, and violence and all of that. But if you're listening to instrumentals, for example, or if you're listening to Orthodox chants, or those kinds of things, music can be something amazing, right? The medium, any medium, I think, can be sanctified. And all of that to say that I think every desire that you have, not every desire towards everything, but every like type of desire, you know, towards food, towards physical intimacy, towards relationship building, towards uh, growth and knowledge, towards growth and physical excellence, towards acquiring earthly blessings. I think all of those things are fine if you're doing it in the right way for the right reasons. And if you want to know what the right way is, if you want to know what the right reasons are, we talk about this a lot, but you can talk to people who are wise. You can talk to your uh, spiritual father. You can talk to your godfather or godmother. You can talk to your friends who have wisdom. And you can figure these things out. Now, one thing I will say is that and this is something that my priest said during that same homily, is that whenever we, we go out of our way to, to, to fulfill those desires, like the gluttony example he gave, you never actually feel better afterwards. You think this thing will make you feel good, but it doesn't. Right now, if you've experienced a sexual sin in the past, which I haven't always been orthodox, so I have, God forgive me, experienced that in the past, it, it's not fulfilling. It's right, you, you get this carnal desire in you, your body starts to have this passion. Your heart is sort of consumed by this passion. And you think that this will satisfy me. And then you do it. And it not only does it not satisfy you, but the closer you draw to God, the more it makes you feel awful. It makes you feel truly awful. And then we go back and we do it again. And this is the case for all sin, right? Let's say you're you're in traffic and someone cuts you off and you start to feel this rage in you and this hatred. And of course, you don't even see the person. You just see this metal box, this car. And it's so easy to forget that there is a person behind that steering wheel with problems, with desires, with hopes and dreams, with the image of God in him. And you honk your horn and you throw up your middle finger, right? This This happened to me the other day. Actually, I was on the receiving end. I was pulling out of a parking lot, like into a, a road. And I looked left, I looked right. It looked like I could I could make it. I tried to go and then I realized I wasn't going to make it. So I just sort of slammed my brakes so that I didn't crash into somebody. And I usually don't make eye contact with people in, in traffic because I don't want them to have the ability to express that anger. It's not good for them. It's not good for me. I'll get mad. He'll get mad. But when I pressed the brakes, I was looking at the car and I made eye contact with the driver and he got this very ugly look on his face made a very rude gesture. I'm sure you can imagine what it is that I'm talking about. And this sort of, this look of pure hatred came over him. And then I drove off and I was like, well, I mean, it was my fault. I should have been paying attention and I'm glad that nothing bad happened. So, you know, first thing I did is I prayed for forgiveness. I was like, I'm sorry, I should have been paying attention. But also I prayed for this man who was overcome with such hatred and such an ugly emotion. And that's why I don't like road rage. And that's why I try to never feel it. I never honk my horn. Someone cuts me off and it's over. And, you know, it's not like the person's swerving back and forth. And if I honk, I can probably snap him out of it. But it's, it's over. He's already cut me off. I don't honk my horn. 
I don't make a rude gesture. I don't do that. Because that passion has come over me. And I think it'll make me feel better. And I've, I've done it before, right? I've honked my home before. And it just makes me angrier. And you feel worse. So to tie this all back, when you see a beautiful woman, and let's say you've been drawing closer to God, you've been doing your morning prayers, you've been doing your evening prayers, you've been reading your scripture every day, you've been reading Lives of the Saints, you've been going to the church services, and you're really starting to, to experience what it's like to have God in your life. And then you see a beautiful woman, and then you start to think, I want to sleep with her. I want her for her body. I want her for her beauty. I want to possess her. I want her. I want to use her to satisfy my craving. And let's say that you snap out of it. You're going to feel kind of upset with yourself. You're going to say, how can I, how can I think of her that way? This human being with the image of, of God in her. How can I think of her like that as, as a tool for my pleasure? Or God forbid, let's say it goes further. Let's say you approach her. And you use the skills on charisma that you've been building and rapport building and you get her contact information and you set up a time to meet and you go to a bar and you get drunk and you take her home and you sleep with her. And when everything is said and done, you realize just what it is that you did. Not, not only to yourself, but also to her, by the way. The feeling of despair that's going to come over you the devil's going to be dancing. He's going to be stoked. You're not going to feel better because you're going to realize that you took something that God gave you that's a gift, sexual union, that's reserved for you and your wife in the future. And you misused it. You perverted it. And that will make you feel better. So, of course, this is one of those episodes that especially is a reminder to myself that because, like I said, I confess this every time I go to confession is that when you see a beautiful woman in the future, try to remember. Or try to remember to rather than thinking, I want to sleep with her, think, thank you, God, for making such music, uh, uh, music, such beauty for man to gaze upon, for me to look at. She really is beautiful. You truly are the greatest artist to make such beauty. And then go about your day. Maybe you'll think back, back, wow, I saw a woman today who was so beautiful. And this has happened to me before. I see, I see a woman who's so beautiful that I'll just tell my friends about it. Like, they're like, who was she? I was like, I have no idea. I just saw her in passing. But she was so beautiful that it really just made me appreciate the fact that God gave me eyes, the fact that he made beauty. And it's just a good thing. It's a beautiful thing. And if you develop that attitude, if you say that prayer, you cultivate that, you're going to move leaps and bounds towards purging lust from your life and using the desires that God has put in you in the way that he intended for you to use them in moderation, in the right context. And that's straight from my godfather who was a priest. So I want to try to remember that. I encourage you to remember that the next time you see a beautiful woman. That's it for this week's Field Log. If you like what you heard today, you can follow this podcast on whatever platform you're listening on right now. You can also rate the show. That always helps out a lot. 
You can find me on Instagram, Threads, and TikTok at marcian.cx for field log snippets, art, philosophy, and training-related content. You can also visit the website at marcian.cx for much more of the same. I'm still working on consolidating the Warrior King content into the marcian.cx project. So check back at the website soon for the new and improved Warrior King training protocol, which is going to include supersets and my updated supplement recommendations. There's also a 2024 goal-setting guide on the way, and of course, the Warrior King newsletter. If any of that sounds appealing to you, the links to everything are in the show notes below. It's all free, and as always, conquer the day.